Hi, this is Gary Rogowski from the Northwest Woodworking Studio, broadcasting to you from the hills of Lyle, Washington, out to Columbia Gorge. i got a little place out here I'm trying to build out, and uh, I have, um, I won't call it a sound studio, but i got a little room, and it's quiet out here, and that helps a lot. And so this is where I'm, uh, I'm doing this podcast work. People have asked me about that. So I'm up here, uh, got the deer crossing paths with me in the morning and the buzzards overhead at lunchtime and the bats at night. It's uh, in the stars. Oh, my goodness. So pretty nice. Anyway, uh, we'll be talking about the shop here in days to come. But today's topic is what is sharp? There's a loaded question. What is sharp? Well, what's sharp to me may not be sharp to you. What's sharp to you might be dull as toast to me. And what's sharp to a Japanese temple carpenter like my friend Dale? That's another whole issue. So there are various ways to answer that question. So what is sharp? Sharpening is simply working with two faces to create an acute angle. And we get there by rubbing. That's all it is. Nothing fancy. There are three basic methods of sharpening. Uh, a single bevel method, a double bevel method, and the hollow grind approach. So the single bevel method is where you take the factory grind, which usually comes to us somewhere between a 25 and a 30 degree angle for a chisel or a plain iron, spokeshave blade, um, 25 to 30. And you match that angle as you put it on your rubbing medium, whatever that is. You match that angle. The problem with that, if you're doing it freehand, is that it's easy to introduce a rock into your motion. And as a result, you end up getting a rounded edge, not an acute angle. Or It's still acute, but it's approaching 90 degrees as you round it. It's not staying at 25. And so um, you have to come up with another solution. And that second solution is called a double bevel method. You're out... Uh, out in the field and you've got a little sharpening stone and a chisel and the chisel gets dull so you take it you take your chisel to the sharpening stone you find the primary bevel and then you raise it up five degrees and give it three or four strokes bingo got yourself a new edge you got to take that wire edge off the backside, but you got a new edge double bevel method problem with the double bevel method is that that secondary bevel gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then you start to round that over if you don't have some way of locking that angle in place. The last method, the one that I use, is a hollow grind method. Uh, I think it's quick and accurate, and it's how I learned. Um, it involves using a grinding wheel to create a hollow in the bevel, and that hollow does a couple of things for you. It means that you're removing less steel when you work that bevel, We'll be just working a single bevel. So you're removing less steel. There's less of it there to, to rub. But it also means it's easier to locate that angle uh, because you'll feel it rock into place. You don't have a, a large bevel that uh, you can rock off angle, so to speak. Um, be aware of, of one thing, that when you buy a cheap chisel or a cheap plain iron, it's going to be thin which means the bevel is going to be short, which means it's going to be harder to sharpen. 
the thicker the iron you can get, the easier it's going to be to sharpen. Um, for the same angle, a thick blade will have a longer bevel. As I mentioned, factory angles are somewhere between 25 and 30 degrees. I, personally, I decided to go right in the middle, so I'm at about a 27 degree angle. Um, and I can measure that. There are a couple ways that you can do that. Uh, there's a little brass wheel with angles cut into it you can buy, and that'll give you a rough idea. It doesn't have 27 on it, but it's greater than 25 and lesser than 30. Good enough for me. Um, there's also a digital readout you can get an angle finder. Wixie makes one, and that's pretty nice for checking angles. Uh, but somewhere between 25 and 30. I, I, it's not that critical to me. If it gets a little bit more, great. Uh, the old British books used to talk about sharpening your chisels depending on the wood you were working. So if you were working softwoods, softer material, then a lower angle was preferable because it's sharper. I mean, if you think about it, the, you get the more, most force out of your wedge, which is what a chisel angle or chisel bevel is, the smaller that angle. More force comes out of a one-degree wedge than out of a 90-degree wedge. A 90-degree wedge, you're just kind of pounding sand there. Sorry. Um, so the tinier that angle, the better. But the problem is it's too fragile. So somewhere between 25 and 30 is what we're shooting for. And um, that will give us uh, the best compromise for durability and, uh, and sharpness. So a lower angle for a sharper edge and a higher angle for a more durable edge is what you can do, what those British books uh, refer to, um, so that uh, you get better results. I don't change my angles. I've, I went for the compromise at 27, as I mentioned. Now, there are issues with any of these methods, single bevel, double bevel, or the hollow grind. And let's talk about those. Um, the problem with the single and double bevel method, as I mentioned, is that you can get off angle. And the only way to ensure that you're going to stay on angle is to use a honing guide. Now, honing guides have gone through some changes over the years. Uh, oh, heck, Stanley had some out years ago. And yeah, they're kind of cheesy, not, not really great. Um, but basically, all a honing guide does is hold your chisel or plain iron at a specific angle. It sticks out so much, and that amount of protrusion determines the angle. And then there's a wheel uh, at the other end of the, of the honing jig, and that guide moves you back and forth across your sharpening medium. It's that simple. And most of them are pretty crummy, really, in truth. They were, they were not well designed. Or they were, had a nice design, but the blade would slip in use. And so um, there are a couple out there that uh, have uh, kind of improved the, both the holding capacity of the honing guide and uh, uh, your ability to get repeatable results. And so I'm using a, a Lee Nielsen now, and... Um, it's a pretty nice. It's a pretty nice honing guide. I don't use it for my own work. I use it to show students because sharpening can take some time to get the hang on. Uh, it's just about finding that angle, and the honing guide allows you repeatability, and so that will eliminate the issue with the single or double bevel method. 
The problem is that sometimes we get these big nicks in our blade. And try as we might, you know, you're pounding on something and you hit something hard in a piece of white oak or something, and you've got a lot of rubbing ahead of you if you're using the single bevel method. Uh, this is where the hollow grind comes in as far as its uh, usefulness. Um, so I think it's a whole lot quicker. The problem with the hollow grind method, since we're talking about problem areas, is you can generate too much heat. So steel is treated uh, by heating it to a specific temperature and then quenching it uh, very quickly in order to harden it. And if you bring it past a certain temperature, you will what is called draw the temper uh, and soften the steel. And so when you're grinding, you have to be careful not to generate too much heat. There's a system out there, the Tormac system, which is a 10-inch wheel that spins very slowly and in a water bath. I mean, they should have, they should have had one more, you know, they should have had an angel on your, on your uh, shoulder saying, no, slow down, slow down, too. Um, they got it all covered. Um, I find that 10-inch wheel too big. I'm, I'm grinding with a 6-inch wheel. Uh, and what I do, rather than quench the steel in water every grind or two, is I uh, use my fingertips as a gauge, hang on to the edge after grinding. Too hot to hold? Time to set that tool down. Pick up another tool and get to work on that. Because surprisingly enough, I, uh, I let tools get dull and they kind of pile up. And since I have enough chisels. Um, I have extras for the same size. So I'll, I'll, I'll get a few dull tools and then I'll go ahead and stop what I'm doing and have a little sharpening session. Let me say this, uh, just a brief aside on, on sharpening. I hate to sharpen. I really don't like to sharpen. I love the results. And so that's why I've learned. That's why I've learned how. Um, but stopping to sharpen, yeah, I got other things I, I would rather do. My methods get me back to the bench so I can get back to work. So those are the issues uh, with the various methods. They all have their drawbacks. Um, but my, my preferred method is to use a hollow grind. I grind very close to the edge, but not quite all the way off it if I can help it. Sometimes I can't help it, and I'm just working with a very light touch on the blade. A very, very light touch. All right, you've got uh, your preferred method. Now you've got to choose your sharpening medium. What's it going to be? I'm convinced that um, there are some people who use concrete as a as a medium. They're out there working. I mean, stones have been used forever, and that's what we, you know, as a species, grew up with for ten or twenty centuries. Sharpening your tools on a stone. And we can still get natural stones, both uh, oil stones or water stones, uh, to sharpen our, our tools. So oil stones, water stones, there are now ceramic stones that are made to sharpen, and diamond stones. And you can also use a wet or dry sandpaper, a silicon carbide sandpaper on glass. To sharpen. So we have all those methods, those five methods, or five medium for sharpening. Which one do you like? Oil sharpening stones are very slow, but they don't wear away very quickly. Messy, but slow to wear away. Water stones will wear away more quickly, 
but uh, the slurry that you're creating, the swarf and all the mess, is water. So it's easy to clean up. Um, the oil stones are packed in their boxes. Water stones stay in water. For the most part, your finer stones don't have to stay in water. But I keep all of mine in water. Just make sure the water doesn't freeze on you. And you'll be fine. Uh, my water stones I bought ooh, decades ago. Still got the original ones. So you don't have to flatten them after each use. That wears them away. <laughs> you just have to be aware to use the whole stone. Um, that's less of an issue with some of the harder um, stones, the ceramic and the diamond stones. And yet we've had a diamond stone just wear right away in the middle when students are just beating the heck out of it. Um, so you got to use the whole stone, and that'll help uh, its longevity. The sandpaper and glass method is okay. I think it has certain issues because the particles, um, particularly on the coarser grits, have thickness to them. And they tend to um, wear away the edges of the tool as well. I, I think it's harder to be as precise with sandpaper and glass as it is with these other stones. So um, those are your, your mediums, your media, and um, it's up to you. Choose what you like. My preferred method is to use a diamond stone for my rough shaping. After I've hollow ground, I use a diamond stone for my rough shaping. And um, once that's done, then I can move on to my water stones to finish up. So let me walk you through how I sharpen a tool. First thing you got to do when you pick up a brand new chisel, a used chisel, is check to see how flat the back is. And that's your first job. You have two surfaces you're working with. You have the back and the bevel. And those both have to be flat. Uh, so the back is your first job. Get that done, and you're basically done with it for the rest of the life of the tool. And I sharpen or flatten my backs uh, depending on, on what the factory grind gives me, either with sandpaper and glass, and that's a pretty quick job, or with my uh, diamond stone, and then to my water stone. Uh, let me just say this about your uh, rubbing medium uh, and what to, what to be looking for. Uh, I have found that it's very difficult to compare apples and oranges, uh, diamond stone to water stone. Well, this says this, and this says this, as far as grit. Here's the key. Look at the scratch pattern. You can tell when there's a rough scratch pattern. You can tell when it's a finer scratch pattern. It's pretty simple to tell. When you get up to the really fine uh, stones, you're going to be able to see your own reflection in them. That's fine. And it doesn't matter what they say the grit is. If it's rubbing coarser than a comparable grit, well, there's just a different system at play here. So just, just be aware of that. Look for the scratch pattern. And change your angle of, of rubbing every now and then, and you'll see the difference in the, the results and the kinds of scratches you're getting. When you think about uh, sharpening, think about um, a mirror surface. So my friend Joel, the astronomer, when he's... Um, putting together, <laughs> he didn't put together the Keck telescope, but he works there. Uh, so when they put that, those mirrors together, I think they have mirrors up there, um, the, the fineness, the reflectivity of these things has to be superb 
And in order to do that, you have to rub them with a finer and finer and finer abrasive so that the surface itself is flatter. So start with concrete, you're going to get a certain kind of texture. And it's going to be coarse, which means it's going to be filled with ridges and hollows. Start with a piece of 10,000 grit uh, sandpaper, and you're going to get a completely different surface. Now, you can choose where you want to start, but uh, I start by flattening the back, uh, and usually with a piece of uh, wet or dry sandpaper, and I start high. What the heck? If I can get away with a 220 grit piece of uh, silicon carbide sandpaper, why not? Why start with 100 grit? I'm just putting in 100 grit scratches. So I start with 220. If that doesn't work, I go to 100. If that works, then I go up to 220 and remove the 100 grit scratch marks. When that's done, I go to 400 grit, remove the 220 grit scratch marks. When that's done, you see? You see the progression here? 600 grit. And then I jump to my stones. Um... My first uh, water stone is an 800 grit stone, and that leaves a slightly different pattern than my 600 grit sandpaper. Um, but the key is keeping things flat the whole time. Don't raise things up. You don't need the whole back flat right at the get-go. It should be relatively flat just from the you know, manufacturing process. It should be relatively flat. But it needs to be flat and polished right behind the edge. So for an inch or so, it needs to be flat and polished. So that's what I concentrate on. Uh, on your Japanese chisels and, and plain blades, that there's a hollow already cut into it for you. Hmm, curious. Uh, and why? To make that job easier, to make that job simpler. So I start by flattening the back. Uh, when I feel a wire edge turn onto the front bevel, I know I've gone far enough, as long as I've got consistent scratch marks all the way across the tool. Once the back is done, then I go to the grinding wheel, and I use a 120-grit 6-inch uh, grinding wheel, and uh, put a hollow grind in it, carefully. And once the hollow grind is in, then I take it to my 800-grit. Nope, let me back up. I take it to my diamond stone. And I use an extra coarse uh, diamond stone for this shaping. Uh, I'm going to say the coarse is a 45 micron. I don't remember the extra coarse micron grading right, right offhand. 60 microns? Uh, that's my guess. Um, so uh, it's pretty coarse. Uh, and it does the job in a hurry. And so what? If you can control it carefully... Uh, you'll turn a wire edge back over onto the back now, and then I can move to my next stone. I can move to my 800 grit stone. From there, um, I move to my 6,000 grit stone. When I bought my stones, I bought an 800, a 1,200, which is a redundancy redundancy, and a 6,000. Um, what I should have done was bought an 800 and a 2,000 and a 6,000, or a 4,000 to 6,000, or 4,000 and 8,000. There's a bunch of different <clears throat> grits you can interchange there. But I have no trouble going from 800 or my 1,200 grit stone up to 6,000 and removing those marks. Uh, what I tend to do um, with my uh, 6,000 grit stone is I take the wire edge off the back of my plain iron or chisel first, carefully, because it may be fairly coarse. I don't want to scratch my stone. And that helps build up a little bit of uh, slurry, which helps with the sharpening process. And then I polish that, that face. 
Once that face is polished, I put a micro bevel on all my chisels because I think that helps beef up the edge for a very short lane. So it's easy to take out next time I sharpen. So it's two or three strokes backwards up at maybe a five degree angle. So ooh, I'm up about a 32 degree angle. That's okay. Because it's not so big that I've got a lot of trouble pushing it through a piece of wood as a wider bevel would, would give you. Um, but it's it helps protect that edge when I'm chopping with it. And that that's useful. So I put that micro bevel on. I take the wire edge off. Even if I can't feel it, it's a theoretical wire edge. I still take it off the backside. And then I take it one step further. My friend Phil Lowe showed me this stuff uh, called Herb's Yellowstone. <clears throat> and um, it's pink. So Herb was sadly colorblind. But uh, he made a great product. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a honing compound. And I butter a piece of uh, leather, the suede side, and once every two or three times that I sharpen. I don't do it every time. And, um, and then I take my tool, hold it flat to the leather, one, two, three strokes, and then flip it over to the bevel side, one, two, three strokes on the micro bevel, if it's a chisel, and, uh, and then on the back again, and boy, what a difference that makes in the edge. It's a, it's a wow kind of difference. It's called Herb's Yellowstone. I love it. <clears throat> and uh, get some. So that's how I sharpen. Uh, it's a series of steps. One has to take your time in order to get good results. And you know when you're there. I used to shave my arms, but I'm kind of a hairless so on my arms. So uh, there's not a lot there to shave. So what I use now is a piece of pine. I put a piece of pine, you know, one by four, stick it in the vise and try and shave the end grain. I should be able to shave a piece of softwood <clears throat> with my tools, uh, and that will be an edge that's, uh, that's sharp enough for me. Thanks very much for listening. This has been Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. This podcast has been a review of sharpening. It came from Season 1. We're taking a little summer break, and we'll be back in September with some fresh new podcasts, ideas, thoughts. I appreciate your listening. If you have questions you'd like to pose to me, I'd be happy to answer them. Uh, drop me a note. Uh, buy me a coffee. Coffee's cheap. <laughs> buy me a coffee. And I'd be happy to answer those questions for you. And uh, check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. Be sure to check out our schedule of classes. And uh, there's a few more coming up this summer, so please take a look. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye.